thanks for joining us at the Ham South Podcast Network. If you're interested in joining us in our services, we meet at 10am on a Sunday at 131 or Hoporo in Melbourne. We'd love to see you there. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Neon Kids Program. Neon is a before and after school care and school holiday program for primary and intermediate students. Neon has two centres operating in Rotatuna and in Melville. For more information, visit www.neonkids.co.nz. That's www.neonkids.co.nz. Now to the pod. Thank you, family. Take a, take a seat. I trust they were amazing. Excellent. I hope we didn't hear, like, cause too much noise down in kids' church. We were having a wonderful time. I think Faye got to witness some of the wonderful chaos that kids' church is at the moment. It is a great time. I've had about two hours sleep, but I've had four coffees. So we're, uh, we're, we're balancing it out. We're balancing it out. Um, fizzing. Yeah, something's fizzing. Lexi, uh, Lexi has croup now, um, so we're having a little wonderful run of things uh, at home. But that's all right. Um, she will get better. Holly's school, um, Holly's school had their 10-year reunion. Is it a reunion? We'll go with that. A 10-year reunion uh, two, two weeks ago. Uh, they had it on a Friday night. Um, and I don't know why Holly's school decided to put their reunion on a Friday night uh, up north of Auckland. So we were unable uh, to go, uh, which was a little bit sad for her and great delight for me. Um, but it got me thinking a little bit, what if, what if I had to go to my school reunion? What would they say when they found out that I was now a pastor? Yeah, my goodness, they must think the church is in chaos. Because um, Shannon at school, well, he was a colourful lad. His language was, uh, well, sailors would blush, wouldn't they? Uh, a limited vocabulary, but very colourful. And perhaps I wasn't the friendliest of people. Um, I was very much down the list of friendly people. Um, and, and then coming in, hey, hey, friends from 15 years ago, probably colleagues, hey, class, class peoples, I think they would be shocked. But it was at, um, it was at in college when I went to a, a camp, a youth camp, and uh, found Jesus, or Jesus found me. Um, and I remember 10 days after the camp, the, the youth pastor wanted to take me out. Uh, he, grabbed my friend Tyler, uh, who had invited me to camp, and we went out to McDonald's, because that's what you do when McChickens were $1.95. Um, you, went and, you went and had McDonald's with the, with the pastor. And he said to me, you know, what's changed? What has changed in your life since Jesus found you at camp? And the, the biggest change, the biggest change was like, I have not sworn in 10 days. Which, for a 15-year-old, who, you know, that's a big change. Um, and then rugby season started, uh, and I kind of fitted back in with the rugby team. And, uh, you know, you take the Christian uniform off, and you put the school rugby uniform on. And there are other Christians in the team, including Tyler. And, you know, we just, we did the rugby thing. Um, and, and, and then after the game finished, after, you know, you have the shower, and you, you slip the Christianness back on. That's how it works, eh? Well, that's how it worked for me. And so, church, wonderful, rugby, not so wonderful, and during the week it decided, I guess, what time of the morning I got up as to what sort of language I was using that day. Paul's letter to the Colossians was written in a time where the small Christian community uh, 
they seem to be slipping back into the old customs, the old practices. Um, the new believers, the new believers who have heard the word of God uh, had changed. But now they were slipping back. They were merging some of the traditions of, of the society into their practices. There was a merge of Christian beliefs and pagan beliefs. Some of these beliefs Paul addresses in the scripture we're looking at today, Colossians uh, 3. No, there, was the, there was the bedding of young men by older men as a payment for services. These were some of the traditions that were slipping back in. There were outbursts of rage. There were people trying to climb to the top of society, uh, climbing over anyone that they needed to. And this was the, the people of, of Colossae. Um, and it was both the Christian community and the non-Christian community. And Paul's writing to address this, reminding them that turning their lives to Jesus means living in a new way, a way counter to culture. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Jesus, thank you that you are the one that lives in us, the one who doesn't look at our status, who doesn't look at what we're good at, what we're not good at, who doesn't look at our mistakes. He looks at us, you look at us, and you call us equal in your eyes. I think it's fair to say uh, we often look at scriptures like this, which is very similar to um, the scripture of Galatians 5, probably the most uh, media-spoken scripture of this year. Um, and so here's this list of things that, that we need to avoid, this list of terrible things um, that, that God says are the sins of the day. And, and don't get me wrong, we should avoid the things that we just read here. You know, we don't, we don't want to be a church of sexual immorality, for example. Like, I'm not suggesting that. Um, but these things that, that Paul is saying to the church of Colossae, they're just, they're just scratching the surface of our today, of how we look at Scripture. Because we can, we can look at these and read, yes, those are very good things to avoid. But Paul is writing into their context and saying, these are what you have to work on. These are the specific things that you have to work on. And I wonder if Paul was writing to us today, 
well, I think these things would be included. What are the things of our culture? What are the things of our society that we have let creep in? That we have let seep into the church and change our practices and change how we live? Where have we taken what Christ has for us and diluted our practice as his body? Diluted it as things that are common in society. And so I'm going to throw three things at us, which might expand to a little bit more. But I think these are three things that, that are very prevalent in our society, and unfortunately they, they are part of the church as well. And the first is this culture of shame. Shame was the very first emotion that humanity experienced when they were separated from God. Genesis tells us that Adam and Eve ate the fruit. They realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves, fig leaves together to cover themselves. And then when God walked in the garden, they thought that they could hide from him. They wanted to hide from God because they were ashamed at their nakedness. And the shame culture is alive and well in New Zealand. It is a culture we see at the top level of government. We see it in our schools. We see it in our workplace. And we see it in the neighborhood. And we, we see it, unfortunately, in church. We have let the shame that society lives in creep in to our ways here. People are made to feel less than they are. People feel they need to hide their skills, their talents, their God-given gifts because they don't fit in to the way that we think we're meant to do things. They don't fit into the ways that are shaped by God. They, God gives them these gifts and we say, no, thank you. No, that's a little bit awkward. We're the community that's meant to be shaped by God and what he has and living his new life rather than being shaped by the culture. And so I have a wonderful, wonderful story. Um, Joel's playing worship. Brilliant, by the way. Um, but I used to watch Joel, and, and sometimes when he hit the wrong keys, I've, Joel and I have talked about this, so this is all right. There will still be embarrassment for him, which I apologize. Um, but, but he's playing along, and he hits the wrong key, and there's this, this yeah, <laughs> It, it comes over him, this, how did I do that? I've mucked up. And, and he, feels sh he, he felt shame. He felt embarrassed because, because when he's playing the keys, his fourth finger is one centimeter to the left of where it needed to be, so hit the wrong key. And he's trying to help us engage with worshiping God. And somewhere along the line, when Joel's made a one centimeter error with his fourth finger, Someone has made him to feel less than what he is. Someone has made him to feel shame. And it's not just Joel, it's whenever we stuff up. We're so quick to point out, you made a mistake. And here's this worship, these people in worship who are trying to help us to, to connect with God. But man, your, your finger was one centimeter wrong. What are we doing? What are we doing? And the reality of what, what is sometimes felt or what has been felt, that's the reality now. But the church is meant to be shaped by Christ. And Christ is not part of this shame culture. Christ is, is an encourager. And so if we are to counteract this culture of shame which has slipped into the church, we counter that 
by looking to Jesus, the one who unites us. And we ask him to help us to be an encouraging people. To counter shame, we need encouragement. Honest, heartfelt encouragement. And we need to have so much more of that in the church because the culture of shame is so, so strong in the outside and the outside parts of the society. Colossians remind us, reminds us that we have stripped off our old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter who you are or what your status is. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. And he isn't a Christ of the shame culture, so be encouraging. And if you weren't the discourager, the bringer of shame, that does not excuse us from having to be the bringers of encouragement, because we can all encourage, eh? We can all encourage, and we should all encourage. Put on the new nature of Christ. Don't be held from the shame as the result of sin. Put on the new nature of Christ and be part of the culture that enhances Jesus rather than enhances the first result of sin. What's another thing that Paul might say to the church of today? Perhaps, perhaps Paul would talk to us about our culture of fear, a culture that binds us, a culture that restricts us, that, that squeezes our hearts and makes us not want to move forward, not want to try new things. We sit in the comfortable, we sit in the known, we sit where we can control and we sit with what we can understand. Ingrained in us is to not try the new because we might get it wrong. I remember when I was younger, I always was told that mistakes are just opportunities to learn. Yeah? If you get something wrong, you look at why it went wrong and you change something. You, you learn, you grow with mistakes. But these days... Man, mistakes. I don't know if we're allowed to make mistakes anymore. Mistakes are something that we must avoid at all costs. And I think there's two things that we're battling here with fear. One, I've already mentioned that the getting something wrong, especially publicly, that leads to shame. The other reason we don't try. The other thing that this culture of fear has developed within us is this expectation of perfection. Has anyone ever like looked at the young people during assessment time? <laughs> There's an awkward laugh. I've been one of those young people. There's this expectation of perfection. Has there ever been a time in society where there is more anxiety, more mental health problems, more young people feeling desperate and hopeless Young people are choosing to not live, like choosing to end their lives at a higher rate at the moment because we have this expectation of perfection. I'm not even absent from this myself. I, I still hang on to the mistakes inside that I made in my year 11 maths test. I still know, well, I know that that maths test actually doesn't matter. But inside of me, there's this, oh, 
you didn't hit the bar that you were meant to. This bar that my parents set for me, this bar that my teacher set for me, this bar was perfection. And I missed it. And every now and then there's that eating away at me because Shannon, you weren't perfect. In the church, we have let this desire for perfection, perfection or nothing, it's seeped into us. And if we don't like something, we leave. Or we complain. Or we complain and we leave. Because it's not, we haven't got it right. We're raising a generation. We're raising generations of people who are too afraid to step into the next thing God has for them because we have this expectation of getting it right. Society is changing. We heard last week at our AGM that society is changing. We, we look around and we know society has changed. And it changes faster now, uh, they say, than any time in history. Trying to keep up with youth culture, oh my goodness. And I work with young people. Culture is changing so fast. And we sit and hold on to what we know. And we sit and hold on to what we can control. But we cannot control the changes that society is going through. But if we are a people who look to Jesus, Jesus is in these changes. Maybe we can play a part of them. Maybe we can be encouragers. Maybe we can say to people, hey, give it a crack. Because if you get it wrong, we're going to shower you with love and shower you with grace and let you know, hey, it's okay to make mistakes. We can do it. We can learn from these mistakes rather than go, oh, mistakes, I'm out of here. We sit in a place of fear. We sit in a seat of fear sometimes. And you know who doesn't sit in that seat? Jesus doesn't sit in a seat of fear. We put our faith in ourselves and what we can control rather than in the one who asked us to strip off our old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and be like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter who you are or what your status is. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. You know, Christ talks about us and perfection. And when he's talking about us and perfection, he's talking about love. He says, as my father is perfect, so you can be perfect. And that talking of perfect is about loving the other. And if we want perfection in here, that perfection better be driven from a place of love. That is the perfection that Christ has for us. And that's the perfection that Christ gives to us because he lives in us. He changes us. He transforms us. And he doesn't say, you have to get it right. He says, in love you can be perfect because the Father sees us through him, through what Christ did, through what Christ continues to do. We can be perfect with our love. These last, those last two areas, the culture of shame, the culture of fear, these grow two things. Now, I wonder if Paul would write to us today because these two things grow a culture of division and a culture of individual importance. The culture that elevates self above all else. The idea that the individual preference is better than, than the, the preferences of the greater community. It pits neighbor against neighbor. And it leads to neighborhood against neighborhood. 
Paul speaks of putting to bed selfish ambition. And I think this is what he's referring to in this letters. It is, it is rife across society today. The desire to be the most important. And it's rife in churches today. It has crept in from a selfish society. And we have looked to society and let that form us rather than let Christ form us. We position ourselves as more important than the person next to us. And when we do that, we forget why Christ came. Because Christ came to serve. Christ came to be a servant of all. And if, as we walk as Christians, we are meant to model Christ-likeness, then surely instead of elevating ourselves, we humble ourselves. Not seeking what we want, or what we like, but opportunities to serve each other. Say, how can I serve you rather than you better do this for me? In Christ, there is no us and them. There is no higher or lower. In this new life, it doesn't matter who you are or what your status is. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. He lives in all of us through his spirit. The, the spirit that he sent to the world poured out on his disciples, poured out on those believers and given as a seal to all of those who believe. Christ is what binds us together because his spirit, the spirit of the living God, lives in all of us. And that spirit, Timothy says, it is, isn't a spirit of fear. We know it's not a spirit of selfish ambition. And we know it's not a spirit of shame. So let's make sure we are people who live by His Spirit. Before you speak, make sure it's encouraging. Before you act, make sure it is loving. Paul wrote to the Colossians and pointed out to them that with Christ, with this new life in Christ, they are to take off the nature of the culture around them and clothe themselves and live by the nature that Christ has. The nature that led Christ to the cross for you and for me. The nature that led him to take on all that the world had. All the decisions that were made, that are made and will be made, decisions that are against God. And he took them on himself. And he took all the hate and all the shame and all the fear and all the division and he nailed them to the cross as we nailed him to the cross. And as he died, the separation between you and God died with it. As he died, the separation between you and God died with it. Your debt, my debt was paid. It was paid in full by His blood. The curse of sin, the division between us and God, gone. And when He rose, our hope rose that we would one day walk again with Him. And after ascending to the right hand of the Father in His place of glory, He poured out His Spirit for all that we get to walk with him this side of heaven. 
and as He guides us and leads us and loves us, as He shows us how to lead and love and serve others. Christ invites you into this freedom to take off the clothing that society has put on you. To take off the clothing that sometimes this church has put on you. And put on the clothing that Christ has for us. The, the, the clothes that Christ purchased for you. That's the freedom that He wants you to walk into. That's the freedom that He wants us to walk into. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator. Don't ever, don't ever stop trying to learn more about who Jesus is. As you learn to know your Creator, become like Him in this new life. It doesn't matter what your status is. Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us. Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. Before you go, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Neon Kids Program. Neon is a before and after school care and school holiday program for primary and intermediate students. Neon has two centres operating in Rotatuna and in Melville. For more information, visit www.neonkids.co.nz. That's www.neonkids.co.nz. Thanks again.